Ah, yes, there we are. Well, um, yeah, uh, 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 I'm sort of lost without my scripts because we haven't had time to write any. Uh, it is July. It is July. It has been uh, four, four, four months since my last Confed podcast. Um, there are many reasons for this uh, that I will not go into at this point. Vince, coffee. Yes, please. It has been a very busy time at Bad Dog Books. I need you all to understand that. Now, I understand that you've been pining away and hoping for another sort of oral glimpse of my dulcet intonations, but, uh, uh, well, here's your fix. So, uh, it's not all bad, is it? We, uh, actually... Just hold on, hold on, hold on. It's Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we've got a, we've actually got a very good new recording setup. So I hope you're enjoying the uh, uh, the new audio quality. Now let's get back to bad dog books. This 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 podcast, by the way, is going to be a little bit rushed. Now, fortunately, uh, the inimitable Ben Goodrich has prepared some material for us, uh, which we will shortly enjoy. Now, speaking of Ben Goodrich, um, yeah, let's make that the first announcement. Ben Goodrich is a writer first and an editor second. I uh, I sort of managed to steal him away from his writing career for a while, but it was only so long that that would last. And over the last couple of months, his attention has sort of gradually wandered back toward writing. He hasn't given up on... I was about to say he hadn't given up on Fang, but I'm going to get back to that in a second. He hasn't given up on his editorial duties, but he has taken some time to develop his writing career. And the very first result of that is now available. It's called White Crusade. It's a... Uh, first of all, it's not porn, it's science fiction, it's sort of post-apocalyptic. Oh, it's very good. I read a couple of pages um, when he showed me. This was back when uh, Coyote Moon Publications was still in operation, and they held the rights. And so he showed me a couple of pages, and I was... I, I just wanted it. I want it for my birthday. And unfortunately, Coyote Moon Publications uh, went belly up. Which is very sad. They had a lovely lineup, and, uh, and God knows the very fandom can use more publication houses. But that did mean that the rights to White Crusade reverted back to Ben Goodrich, and he could sell it to whoever he wanted to. Now, I fought him tooth and nail to acquire those rights because he didn't actually want to publish it through Bad Dog Books. Because if he published it through Bad Dog Books, then it would seem as if he were self-publishing, which is a little bit lame. Um, basically, I said, "Give me the book." Or you're fired. And since he isn't fired, you can tell what happened. Bad Dog Books is proud to present White Crusade by Ben Goodrich. Um, actually, actually, let me, just, let me just see if I can find a copy and read me some of this. Yeah, look at this. Uh, I managed to snag some of the uh, uh, Coyote Moon Publications editions, which were available on uh, on Amazon.com through some, some weird... Uh... Anyway, um... 500 years after the fall of mankind, tribes of animal people remember humans mostly for the excesses that led to their disgrace, downfall, and decimation. Tay of the Wolf Clan wants nothing more than to serve his people, the animal clans of the Pacific Northwest, as a healer and the youngest alpha ever to lead the tribe. But a dying stranger arrives in Tay's peaceful, mixed clan village bearing a small, featureless black cube with an army snapping at his heels. A new tribe has risen, worshipping humans as gods. That tribe has become an army, and the army has become a crusade, the White Crusade. 
and Tay finds himself holding the power of that the white. These letters are a little bit fiddly. And Tay finds himself holding the power that the White Crusade needs to achieve their terrifying destiny. Accompanied by Sonak, a young wolf clan loner obsessed with ancient human technology, and Zack, a coyote clan trader and footloose wanderer, Tay must rise beyond his modest ambitions to become a leader not just for his people, but for the future of the world. Gripping stuff! Uh, it's I would actually read you a bit, but Ben has, uh, has prepared a reading of his own. I, I, I just, I just can't really express it. I, I really like this book. Now, there's, 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 there are occasions, uh, in bad dog books where I publish something hoping that it will make a quick buck. Uh, actually, I can't think of any examples right now. But maybe, maybe one day, I'll publish something that I'm not completely proud of. But this, woof, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a bit sort of sort of Mad Max uh, with a bit of with a bit of sci-fi and, uh, and and some esoteria thrown in. Um, the animal people that uh, dot the landscape of a very different future Northern America uh, are very tribal. They're shamanistic. Um, there are still pockets of humans about, and there's this there's this crusade. There's this Inquisition. Um, of, of fanatic zealots that uh, uh, sweep the land in search of some fabulous technology. Actually, I use a smoke, which I understand is not entirely cool in American culture, but you know, I'm a Euro fag. What are you going to do? So, White Crusade. Now, it is available today at baddogbooks.com. Uh, also on Fur Planet, but the entire Fur Nation crew are over at, uh, at Anthrocon at this point. Well, by the time this podcast reaches the airwaves, that is. At this exact moment in time, they're still working around the clock to get everything printed. Which I sort of imagine it like the, like the, the engine room of the Titanic. I mean, these guys are pulling 10 or 12 hour shifts uh, around the clock, alleviating each other's plight... Um, only to get back to the uh, the incredible sorry I just bumped the microphone the incredibly gruesome grindstone in order to get everything printed. Fortunately, they were kind enough to give the uh, um, yeah, the bad dog books books a little priority, so they're in good stock, and we have a lot of them. There's White Crusade. Oh, by the way, uh, Ben will be holding a book signing. It's not exactly clear when. Um, but drop by the foundation table and ask when it will be, and uh, uh, you can get your copy signed. It's fabulous. One thing that you also won't want to miss. Ben is my ambassador, my eyes and ears and steel hard fist at Anthrocon, since I can't myself attend. He will be hosting the Bad Dog Boot Camp. Hey, do you remember that? That segment that I introduced back in March and then haven't had a chance to expand upon in the podcast so far? Um... Ben will be hosting Bad Dog Bootcamp, which is for writers, in particular writers for, again, I was going to say Fang, but I mean Bad Dog Books anthologies in general. And yes, they are general now, because Fang is no longer the only one. Um, the Bad Dog Bootcamp is on the Saturday. I don't know exactly which date that is off the top of my head, because I haven't had a lot of sleep. 
but uh, it's on Saturday at 4 p.m. So if you're following the sort of writer's track, be sure to drop by there. Uh, it'll be focused mostly on how to impress an editor and get your story bought, which, you know, it's valuable information to have under your belt. Plus, it gives you a chance to hobnob with the inestimable uh, Ben Goodridge, author of White Crusade and also Swamp Poet uh, later in this year uh, from Cross Quarter Press, which he'd already sold. So, let's see what else we've got on this new website. Yeah, see, I redesigned the website. There's, uh, there, there's been comments from people that say that I redesign the website baddogbooks.com more often than I update it. Uh, and you know what? Just fuck them. I don't care. I, I, I love the way it looks now, and I'm very proud of it, and I worked very hard on it for a very long time. Um, consequently, I'm slightly sleep-deprived and rambling. I will regret posting this, uh, this podcast down the line. Now, we have four new books in total, including White Crusade by Ben Goodrich. Buy it, 1995. Another is The Hero by Terran. Now, this has been announced for a dog's age. Um, Terran Dragon, you may know him from, oh, the very popular uh, gay erotica serial uh, High School Days. He wrote that. I think Wookiee drew some illustrations for them, some other people. It's, it's quite popular. I don't, I'm a little bit jealous in, in actual fact, but when Fang Volume 3 um, was accepting submissions, he sent in a big, long story, which was too long, simply, to place. And I told him that. I said, okay, sweetheart, it's too long. I, I can't print it in Fang Volume 3. And it's also too short to be printed as, as a book in its own right. So if you can fix one of these things, maybe we can, uh, you know, maybe we can make something happen. So he worked very, very hard for a very long time. It's been over a year that we've been working together. He, um, he really made it shine. The hero is a fantasy novel, as in Dungeons and Dragons, sword and sorcery. Uh, it's a bit of hanky-panky as well. It's, uh, it's, it's gay, obviously, since that was the main focus of the uh, Fang uh, anthologies and books while I was in charge of it. It's about Flint, a young hyena, um, an innkeeper's boy. lives a very small and miserable life. Until a party of adventurers comes through his tavern, and he's just just stunned. They're magnificent and daring, and rah, it's wonderful. You've got a priest and an assassin, and you've got this queer little noble fox that's a, that's a mage, and a great big titanic primitive, and a priest, and finally a knight of the cross. His name is Aldane, and they just fall in love. It's adorable. Well, it's... I say fall in love. They have sex and Flint falls head over heels with him. And Aldane, who, as I say, is the Knight of the Cross, uh, who works for the Church of the Prophet, which is rather uh, uh, homophobic and and bigotous. I I don't use the word bigot very often, so I have no way of knowing. Um... He has conflicted feelings, and he knows that he has to leave, and it's, and it's, and it's very sad and painful. But little Flint uh, digs in his little heels and goes off 
to find his knight in shining armor. It's a it's a lovely book. Um, it's his first novel, and okay, let's be honest, Taron isn't as experienced a writer as Ben Goodrich, but that's actually what I liked about the book. It's it's fairly simple. It's fairly straightforward. Now I've rambled about this in a previous podcast that I appreciate. The conventional, I, I, I think it's actually quite brave to be ordinary and, and not groundbreaking and not adventurous in your writing, but to stick to the conventional and the cliché, that's, that's magnificent. That's what really impressed me with this story. It's a nice, old-fashioned, conventional um, fantasy sort of a romance story with, with, with gay wolves and hyenas and some sex in there. And... And this is probably what's going to convince you to buy it. Uh, illustrations by uh, Kamui Satinka. And the primary contributor is Ayame Emaya. Complicated story, that last one, actually. Uh, he had, uh, Taran had acquired some interior art. Eleven pieces in total, I think. Which were quite good. Uh, from Ayame Emaya, whom some of you may know. And he sent me the scans, and the originals were then, were then mailed to him, because these were, these were paintings, you know, actual full-color paintings, um, which would then be reproduced in black and white for the, uh, for the book itself. But the originals were devoured by the United States Postal Service. They, they simply haven't been found. Ayame Emaya has filed a complaint, uh, and it was just, it was just terrible panic, because the scans I had didn't look very good. Well, they looked just fine on the screen, but I didn't think that they were that they were fine for printing. Um, so everybody started panicking, and what are we going to do? And um, I contacted an artist I know, Satinka, and another artist I know, Kamui. Both of them chipped in, and then it turned out. Um, the clever people at Foundation had found some excellent way to really polish up the images. I've got to say, they, they look pretty damn good now. Uh, and so all the MAI illustrations are now in there. I forget exactly how many. Um, and Satinka did these tarot pieces uh, for several of the characters that, uh, that appear in... <laughs> oh, fuck! You need to sneeze, and then you can't, and it just sort of sticks in your nose, and you start to cry blood out of your ears, whatever. Um, so it's very richly illustrated. Now, you, you, you probably have to make a difficult decision if you've only got 20 bucks burning in your pocket, and you're standing at the Furnation table at Anthrocon, where all these books will be available. And you think, should I go for White Crusade, which has literary merit, and uh, by a professional writer, or should I go for... You know, the hero which has hot sex and illustrations. Of course, if you're straight, the choice is easy. You, yeah. This is driving me mental. I need, I need some kind of... Sitting here, bare-chested with a fucking jacket on so I don't sneeze. All for you, good listeners. This is what Alex Vance... By the way, I haven't even introduced myself. Hello, my name's Alex Vance. Uh, I'm the editor-in-chief. And I'm doing this for you. Yeah? <coughs> oh, fuck, that feels good. Right, so back on track. You'll have to make the difficult choice whether to buy the excellent science fiction novel 
White Crusade by Ben Goodrich, or to get uh, a richly illustrated and rather naughty book by, uh, by Terran. But the choice is made even more difficult. Um, last time we spoke, or maybe it was in February, I announced the release of Everybody Loves Luther, a novel by André Blairot, also known to some as Badger, who was very active on the uh, furry news groups when they were still in operation and popular. So some people may remember that name. He uh, uh, wrote Bitch Boy, which was one of the longest stories to appear in Fang Volume 1, and I, I just loved it. So when it turned out that he had actual finished books that I could get and print, I was overjoyed. So we had Everybody Loves Luther, which is uh, um, now available in revised format, by the way. Oh, yes, we've revised all our books. They're back in trade paperback because people kept whining. And for the novels, uh, Kamui, who also did our logo, my God, gorgeous, has he designed some absolutely stunningly beautiful covers for all of these books. So we've got White Crusade, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous cover, which he did in 24 hours. I was incredibly impressed. Um... And the hero, where he designed the frame for the cover and uh, for Everybody Loves Luther, and also for El Burrito de los Muertos, which is the sequel to Everybody Loves Luther, also by André Badger Blero. Uh, it's in English before you start thinking anything. It's sort of a sequel in that it follows um, Jesse Krolik, uh, rather, he calls himself a licensed sex maniac. He's a hare who appears in Everybody Loves Luther as a college student, and has since grown up and become a social worker in the city of Purgatory, which is sort of Midwestern. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Spanish speaking or Hispanic or whatever you Yanks call them um, people thereabout. And he's a social worker who deals with a youth called Hector Perrito, who uh, supposedly was the victim of some kind of drug and prostitution ring. Now, it. The book is based roughly on events that occurred in London, Ontario some years ago, which was some scandal about, you know, a youth prostitution uh, crime ring, which was actually more like just a couple of um, a couple of kids making quick buck and getting some attention and affection that they uh, that they weren't getting elsewhere. At least it depends on, on, on your perspective. And, well, André Blairot has a very clear perspective on what it was and how it should have been handled. I'm noticing that I'm not being very loud here, so let me just see if I can get a little closer to the microphone. It's nice and intimate, right there. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? I'm licking your ear. No, not really. That's actually uh, that's actually a little disgusting. So, those are the four novels that Bad Dog Books has on offer. Um, Everybody Loves Luther, its sequel, El Burrito de los Muertos, both with covers by Grimal, whom uh, some of you may know. We've got The Hero by Terran, with a cover by Satinka, with the uh, gorgeous tarot card pieces, and just the fabulous White Crusade by Ben Goodridge, with a cover by Kamui. Now, on the anthology front, we have another two books coming out as well. Fang, Volume 3 has been nearly two years in the making. Gay, fantasy, erotica. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm actually a little bit sentimental about finally putting this one to press because it's the, it's the last one that I edited. And it was during the development of Fang Volume 3 that I began to realize that I, I just... 
I wouldn't be able to continue my editorial duties due to the nerve damage I was suffering in my fingers at the time. Um, so it went on the back burner. And then Ben Goodrich came along and convinced me not to quit and that he would work for me and he would become the new editor. And uh, we've had so much work since then that it's been nearly impossible to get Fang Volume 3 finished, but it is now finished. Uh, the authors have been notified, <laughs> which I, th I, th I think is only polite. Some of them complained that it took so long, and on the one hand, I, I, I can't disagree that it's that it's that it's unprofessional well 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 by proper publishing standards this is still uh, a publication in record time and you know even by furry standards the story that i tell them is about sofa wolf press now i love sofa wolf press they are my brothers um kyle gold writes excellent books for them uh, and they're generally just very awesome people. Time was when we would have worked together until my uh, my fingers started acting up, and I couldn't do what they uh, what they actually wanted to hire me for. But um, the first time that I submitted anything to uh, uh, to Sofa Wolf Press was for their next volume of Heat, their uh, uh, art and story uh, magazine, the erotic piece. You might have seen volume of issue three, I think it's called, which had a cover and a comic by Adam Wan, which I think single-handedly sold the uh, the magazine completely out several times over. But uh, yeah, so they were gearing up for the next one, and I'd submitted a story and just didn't hear back from them for a very long time, which I knew was normal in uh, uh, in publishing practices, so I didn't push it, I didn't ask whether they'd received it, just just waited, and eventually I got word that it had been received and would be reviewed and might be published in a year. And I thought to myself, that's just taking way too long. Why isn't there something faster? Why isn't there some place where we can get published in a just in a just more modern and and, 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 and more expedient fashion? And as I was typing a message to KM Hirosaki, who some of you may know because his uh, uh, name is in just about every volume of Fang so far. I had the idea that maybe it instead of instead of complaining that there wasn't such a thing, I should just go out and make such a thing. And that thing became Fang. Um so anyway, yeah, yeah. I pub I submitted that story before I even started Fang, before Fang Volume One was was even available or, or, or was even open for submission. I submitted that story and completely forgot about it. And then a couple of months ago, they emailed me out of the blue asking me for my home address and my bank account number so that they could pay me for the use of this story. By the way, my story is going to be in heat uh, issue, I think it's issue four. It's going to be available at the Sofa Wolf press table at Anthrocon, so do pick that up. It's called Loudly the Maid. It's a, it's a, it's a sort of nasty little... Uh, no, it's not nasty. I don't write nasty stuff. I write naughty pieces. Fantasy. I, I sort of, sort of hinted that it was set in the same universe as Kyle Gold's Vol novels, but there's, there's, there's really no reason for that. It's, it's a fantasy sort of semi-Renaissance um, piece with just... It's just naughty. It was actually kind of... Um, kind of a shock when they when they uh, contacted me because i realized that i hadn't actually been published uh outside you know publications that i that i run 
and it was kind of nice. Although, in Anthropon, we're going to have a double whammy of Alex Vance's uh, porny goodness, because not only Heat Issue 4, which is over at the Soulful Wolf Press table, um, I've got another story coming out in two parts, the first of which is available in uh, Fernation Magazine, number nine, which is also going to be available. That was a piece explicitly that I did write um, for Kyle Gold, more or less as a present, and it was it's a it's a it's a darker piece set in the uh, in the Vol universe. It was the long term goal was to explore an alternate version to the character Vol that populates uh, the novels Vol and Pendant of Fortune, both by Kyle Gold. He's a spy fox and a hedonist, and he manages to combine it very well. And I, I sort of wanted to explore what a less emotionally balanced uh, character would do in those situations, how he would solve problems, and what kind of problems he would uh, he would run into. and just, just make it a little darker, a little edgier. And of course, it didn't have, um, I don't know, the subtle comfort and ease that uh, uh, that Kyle Gold's writing has. But I just wanted to try it anyway. So um, this story, titled A Constellation of Black on Black, was uh, um, was an attempt to set up a character that I could tell those stories with. But then the nerve damage to my fingers hit and I sort of stopped writing. But I dusted it off and sent it off to the Furnation guys. And they, they kind of liked it, so it's in there. Do pick up a copy, Furnation magazine. Always good fun. Bringing the topic back to Fang Volume 3, it is now... Finally available. We've got Waiki Ote and K.M. Hirosaki and Kyle Gold, who've written stories for uh, for all the previous volumes. Actually, there was originally going to be two stories by Kyle Gold in Fang Volume 3, one of which was a short story set in his Vol universe. Actually, because... I, I, yeah, here. I'd asked him to invent a name for the universe that his novels take place in so that I could give proper credit. And that's why he came up with the name Argaia, which I think is a very good name for a world. Um, unfortunately, Fang Volume 3 was in development for so long that eventually he was uh, putting together his uh, um, short story compendium titled Prisoner's Release and Other Stories, also available from Sofa Wolf Press. And he asked if he could unsubmit his story so that he could use it in... Uh, uh, in that anthology. And yeah, you know what? Fine. So if you want a little bit of more of Kyle Goldie goodness, go read Prisoner's Release and Vol, if you haven't yet, and Pen of the Fortune, its sequel. Uh, so still, we've got Kyle Gold, we've got Kami Osaka, got White Yote. Let me see who else we've got in the third volume. We've got. It's very hard to think of at this point, and I don't want to turn on the computer because then I'll be stuck in another sort of multi-hour obsession over uh, updating the website and updating this and updating that. God, that is good. So let me see. Who else have we got? Uncle Oki! He's back! He's been in uh, the two previous volumes, both, I think. Definitely the first. It's been so long and we've worked so hard. Yeah, he's got this piece that's actually... It's 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 really saucy. It's, uh, it's a budding young romance sort of voyage of self-discovery of a young Greek boy and a centaur. And his, his descriptions of... They're, they're just gorgeous. They're adorable. They're majestic. And you just, it's a wonderful read for the summer, definitely. 
Oh, Veritas wrote a story called Black and White, which I loved because it was again it was sort of a sort of a conventional um sort of old fashioned cliche. No, I wouldn't call it cliche, but just a a sort of honest to goodness fantasy piece. Which really actually you should classify as college romance. It's lovely. White Yote, he wrote a piece that's about some tribal primitive who uh, has to go on a quest to redeem his honor and finds that predator and prey are not fixed roles. Stefan von Krieger has submitted uh, um, a story called Daydream Gone Wrong to the book, which is lovely. It's a lovely little piece about uh, uh, a snake demon having his way with uh, a young tiger, I believe. Drenthe is in there, uh, an old friend of mine. I'd actually helped him edit this this story uh, for money back in the day because he wanted uh, he wanted some professional attention and it stroked my ego. Actually, I, I don't even think that I that that I ended up accepting payment. Anyway, I'd I'd, I'd edited the story for him and yeah, by the time I was done with no, this sounds self serving. But the time by the time I was done with it, I actually sort of really wanted the story for Fang, so I sort of weaselled him into uh, into giving it to me. Um, also, a nice traditional fantasy piece. Oh, and then there's Graveyard Greg. Now, some of you may remember that name. He's uh, a prolific webcomic writer. Um, Carpe Diem is his. Gaming Guardians uh, is also his. And he has a short but sweet piece about two uh, um, sort of sort of uh, gladiators sharing a last night together. It's very sensitive and adorable. I'm sure I'm forgetting others, but at this point, so many words are swimming through my brain that I can't think of any other examples of Fang 3 other than I'm pretty confident that it was worth the wait. Now, Fang Volume 4. Yeah, that's a bit of a difficult story. Originally, Fang Volume 4 was also supposed to come out uh, uh, at Anthrocon. It was the first non-erotic anthology that Bad Dog Books has done. And it was edited by Ben Goodrich. So it was it was about sci-fi, and he had a hell of a time sifting through all the submissions. But when it came time to publish, some events sort of conspired that sparked an old idea. Why not have a separate line for erotic and non-erotic fiction, furry fiction anthologies? And my reasoning was always, well, we need to keep the production up. We'd need to have at least one or two issues of each every year and we wouldn't be able to do that if we sort of alternated between erotic and non-erotic and people wouldn't know to expect and i sort of started arguing the 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 other side of the argument where i was actually proposing that we should indeed split them up and swung back and forth over the development of fang four until one day i managed to complete a project that i've been working on for a while which was to drag a recluse sort of celebrity fur out of retirement. His name is Cinnamon DeWolf. Some of you may know him, some of you may know of him, although he maintains that that story about him dancing nearly naked at uh, a, a late 90s further confusion are very, very exaggerated. He's written a number of... If I call them erotica, he'll be, he'll be offended. He's written a number of porn pieces, which are very good, which I've always enjoyed. And he was... Come, he was content to sort of fade into the background and just enjoy it from uh, from the back seat. Um, but I went and got him. 
and it took me a while, but eventually I wore him down enough. And now he's shackled to an office in Bad Dog Books, and he is editing. So, we have a writer who specializes in non-erotic fiction, who also edited the first volume uh, of non-erotic furry fiction that we've done. And we've got a new editor who is steeped heavily in erotica of all sorts, gay, straight, and everything in between and outside. And so the choice became much easier. Fang Volume 4 was scrapped, and all the stories were made into a new... Um, the first of a new anthology. So, Cinnamon was going to work on the next volume of Fang, which is going to be Volume 4. Fang is going to stay all erotica. You will know when you pick it up that you're going to spring a bone. A roar, as we ended up calling it, and, oh, you have no idea how much of a chore that decision was. Even now, my whiteboard in my office is completely covered with four-letter nouns that have a slightly furry... I mean, here, let's go. Howl, growl, tusk, pounce, uh, chase, uh, prowl, fenrir, talon, claw, mane, pelt, snarl, saber, pack, fuzz, thorn, whale, for some reason, feral, bite, track, and finally, roar. So, all the stories that were written and accepted in Fang Volume 4, when it was still being developed by Ben Goodridge, have now been repackaged and rebranded as Roar Volume 1. It's science fiction, and it's very good. We have some newcomers, like Calcifer Ralph, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Kevin Frame, and Redline, and Rincewind, who some of you may know from uh, from Yifstar. He's, uh, he's very active there, although it is completely, well, not clean. Ben Goodrich also has a story in there. Um, he didn't really want to put it in in there, but I managed to convince him to do so anyway because it's it's good, you know. And the the, the that concern outweighs any others as far as I'm concerned. There's also some guy called Alexander Wood. He's very recluse. We can't seem to get in touch with him very easily, other than to. Uh, get him to make revisions to his story and to pay him. But, you know, if he's comfortable with that, then that's uh, that's fine. Let me see. Who else have we got? Uh, Stormcatcher is back. He was in the first two volumes of Fang with some excellent erotica and has now turned his hands to a rather sensitive and emotional piece called Violet. Hmm. And Kevin Frame, whom I mentioned earlier, wrote a song for Pandora, which is a little far out and a little mind-bending. See, I'll let you in on a secret. Ben, and he admitted this to me, Ben, when he joined up, there was one thing that he really wanted to do, and he's sort of been working toward it. Fang Volume 4, which has now become Roar Volume 1, sort of an inching in the right direction. See, what he really wants to do is to make an anthology that is like Dangerous Visions by... Oh, his name escapes me now, but it's a major science fiction writer. And through an independent publisher, this guy had put together an anthology of stories by every significant science fiction author of his day, Philip K. Dig, Isaac Asimov, blah, 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 blah. And this was all sort of cutting-edge stuff that they really couldn't get published because it was so far out and intense. It was incredibly popular. And, um, Dangerous Visions is now sort of a, a who's who of science fiction. 
But he really wanted to do that. And once I figured that out, once I figured that he was just trying to butter me up until I'd give him the freedom to basically do something like that, except for furry fandom, um, I told him, well, why don't you make every issue into Dangerous Visions? And we'll sort of begin with this one and really make that, uh, uh, that Roar series something far out and intense. It's also our intention to get uh, Roar on bookshelves in brick-and-mortar bookstores down the road, which, considering that it's not erotic and that there's no pictures in it, will stand a reasonably good chance of doing. Fur Nation are working very hard with us, and we hope to have more to report as time goes on. So, here we are right now. We've got all those books coming out. I've explained to you that we have a new line of non-erotic anthologies called Roar, and that the first volume is now available. We have Cinnamon working on next volume of Fang. Submission information will follow. We have four new books. Fang Volume 3, Roar Volume 1, El Borito de los Muertos, sequel to Everybody Loves Luther. Um, we have The Hero, the fantasy piece, and White Crusade, which I simply will not shut up about. And we have more about White Crusade coming up in a second, by the way. Um, and it's time for Anthrocon! Ben Goodrich is going to be there. Fur Nation folks are going to be there. You can get all the books. It's been a long time coming, but now, wham, bam, we've got four new books coming up. So I think it's about time, considering that you will all also be visiting the Bad Dog Bootcamp, that we give you a taste. So I am now going to sign off and turn you over to Ben Goodrich. Back in a moment. Oh, oh are we on? Oh. Do I have to? Oh. The microphone. Alright. You got any coffee? After? Alright, alright. Alright. Um, this is Ben Goodridge, Fang's furry editor, coming at you on reel to reel tape from a cave in the Great North Woods via cutting edge World War II communications technology. My job in this podcast and every podcast is to stick my hand in the Bad Dog Books baseball cap where I've placed your frequently asked questions, reader feedback, love letters, hate mail, and miscellaneous missives. If you have a question and demand an answer, send them to baddogbooks at gmail.com, and we'll put them in the hat. So, let's stick our paws in up to the elbows and see what we pull out. Ouch! Mousetrap. File that one under unsolicited opinion. Let's try again. Here's one. Let's see. It seems to be written on a gum wrapper in Japanese kanji, with a crayon. Let me just hold it up to the light. Ah, got it. Dear Editor, I sent you my story two whole days ago and haven't heard from you yet. What's going on and where is it? Ah. We get two or three trillion emails like this a week, with this question, which is odd because they all seem to have the same seven or eight addresses. Mostly, I think these poor writers are searching for some measure of reassurance. BDB is not in the habit of sending unsolicited letters of confirmation. However, I think there may be some in the mix who believe that the moment their story crosses the threshold, we pounce upon it eagerly and devour it with all the passion of one who sleeps in a cave and eats raw meat. The trouble is, the sheer volume of manuscripts makes pouncing impractical. What happens is that when your story arrives, it goes to the end of a rather long queue called the slush pile. This is a first-come, first-served operation, and there are no frenzies. 
Nor does it have anything to do with your prominence in the community or the quality of the story. I'd say the same thing to Stephen King if he walked through the door. Get in line. That having been said, that dog does have a stunningly fast turnaround compared to some publishers. If you, like me, have a computer that works at least 40% of the time and a place to plug it in, check out the response times to some of the publishers on www.duotrope.com. That's www.duotrope.com. It's a clearinghouse of online and print publishers. Publishers plan their schedule years in advance, and six to eight months is an industry average for a response. Bad Dog prides itself on being able to check in with the writer a lot earlier than that. If I haven't gotten back to you about your story in two days or even two weeks, there's probably a hundred stories ahead of you that all require the same attention, if I am to be a just and fair dictator. That having been said, what is an appropriate time to ask? Well, just off the fur of my pelt, I'd suggest something along the lines of 30 days. If, hook or crook, you haven't heard from us by then, you might consider a polite note. Emphasis on polite. I'm easily swayed by the image or illusion of professionalism. Ask if your story's been received and when you might hear back about it. But if it takes more time to hear back from me than it would take to, say, bake a bunt cake, rest assured from the editor's heart I am not ignoring you. I am not forgetting you, and I am not avoiding you. I value your work. Without writers, there is no fang. Well, there could be, but it would just be a black cover and a hundred blank pages, which we could never cost-justify. I see by the warning lights on the batteries that all this equipment is beginning to need a recharge, so I'll sign off now before I get cut off. Now, remember to send any questions or comments to baddogbooks at gmail.com to get them read. And most important of all, all right, and immediately following that, we have an actual reading from the story. Yes, he's written, uh, he's reading from the first chapter. So, this is the first chapter of White Crusade by Ben Goodrich, published by Bad Dog Books in 2007, available for 1995. Please enjoy. Kay of the Wolf Clan loved the rain. He was a natural for this region, the Pacific Northwest area called the Orgone. They weren't far from the former Canadian border, where rain fell nearly 200 days a year, and every rainfall renewed the woods in the world. His tribe had made him Alpha, and let him lead for as long as they needed his leadership. Warrior, shaman, healer, and counselor, he was all of those things, so they chose him as Alpha, and let him choose the tribe's destiny. Zack had returned from his long trip to Lost Angels, pulling his huge trader's caravan into the heart of the village, and the tribe had clustered around him, begging for stories, and wanting to see what treasures he'd brought. Day of the Wolf Clan stood outside the curtain of the caravan platform, letting the rain spray into his wolf's face and pour down his shaggy chest. He saw no lightning this time. The rain redoubled its efforts. Zack of the Coyote Clan sat on the edge of the platform, looking down at him. Hay squinted at him through the rain. I thought you were going to sleep. The night's young. I have stories still to be told. He jerked a thumb back into the caravan. India Gray fell asleep. Old age? He's not even fifty. Zack looked around at the village center in this place he considered home, with people he thought of as family. The tiny round huts drooped with rain, smoke still wafted from a few smoke holes, and sparkling lights still burned in a few windows where people read or played games or made love at midnight. 
Hayes' tribe boasted many different clans, at least twenty or more. He served Deer Clan and Mouse Clan and Otter Clan as comfortably as he served Bear Clan and Fox Clan and even Zack's own Coyote Clan. Though Wolf, Take, administered carnivores and herbivores equally well, Zack knew that Tay must possess great magic to be wise enough to appreciate the needs of so many clans outside his own. Polyglot tribes like Tay's weren't common. Man needs a mate, thought Zack. A mate would soon set him right. New lights joined old lights in the forest, between the rows of huts on either side of the road. Ugh, something's coming, said Zack. I think it's a car. Tay blinked his eyes, clearing them. Car? It's coming fast, he said. Terrible weather to be driving that fast. Who do we know that has a car in this region? Why are they coming in the middle of the night? Zack shrugged. Uh, Taka and Zara both have cars, but Taka's doesn't run. He uses it for a shrine. The shining lamps flickered and flashed. The car was going about fifteen miles an hour, a fair clip, and weaving. I'm going to take out a hut, said Tay. The car roared into the clearing, nose-diving into a deep puddle and sending up a fan of water. It skidded right, wallowing out of the mire, bumping across the caravan ruts. He's headed for the shrine, said Zack, tensing. When the car struck the shrine, the driver seemed to make another magnificent effort to wrestle it under control. The shrine, a small outbuilding no more than four feet square, where the devout could pray in fierce heat and the smoke of the censer, practically exploded. Tiny relics scattered everywhere. The car skidded again, and Tay leaped back onto the platform as the lamps aimed at him. The engine sped up as if the driver were targeting him. The caravan rocked as the car smashed into the back of it. The poor car's makeshift wooden frame smashed into splinters its engine cell splitting down the middle. Hut steam poured up. The car went silent forever. The collision awoke India Gray as the caravan shook and he reeled out of the hammock and onto the floor. He forced himself to his feet, peeling off his shirt and padding towards the tent flap. The blast of hot steam surprised him. That crawled on his hands and knees in the mud, inspecting his caravan for damage. Tay was tearing boards from the car's frame on the driver's side. The shrine was in ruins. Lashed himself to the steering wheel, said Tay, in surprise, drawing his knife, hoping his shaking hands didn't cost the driver a finger. India Gray sat down on the platform to drop into one of the ruts and landed splashed next to his master, peering over his shoulder and into the car. His gray fur was naturally fluffy and thick, but now it hung on him, heavy and pathetic. His curly hair hung in straggly ropes. He looked like he could be wrung out, like wet flannel. Rain poured over the body, giving the furless black skin a slimy sheen. He was Lion Clan or Cougar Clan of some sort, but his rotting flesh was stretched over a skeletal frame. He stank like a corpse. His lungs exhaled foul breath, and red, blind eyes foamed white fluid over his cheeks and jowls. Yet miraculously, he lived. He moved, he breathed, even as he rotted alive. Tay's eyes widened as his lips moved rapidly in prayer, a battery of words as constant and consistent as the rain. India Gray had never seen his young master so horror-struck. Hay swallowed as he took the dying man's arms and drew him gently from the vehicle. The man weighed no more than sixty pounds and felt like a bundle of sticks. Hay noticed, wincing, that the man had left his foot on the floor of the car. It had rotted off. Both of you help me, Tay cried. My hut, he needs medicines and prayer. Hurry! Zack and India Gray reluctantly followed Tay to his hut. Bad magic had done this, something evil and ugly, and neither wanted any part of it. However, neither dared protest his alpha, 
when a life was at stake, and though they kept their distance, they ran after Tay. Tay pulled medicine pouches and bottles down from his shelves without looking at them. He knew where everything was. The man on his table lay awake. He was even coherent, and Tay was terrified of him. Who could survive that kind of torture? Who could live through it without going mad? Who are you? Tay asked, pouring two bottles together and shaking hard. My name is Kame, said the man. Where am I? You're in my village, said Tay. I'm the Alpha here, and also the Shaman. I can help you. I'm beyond help. Let me die in peace. That's what I'd like to do, said Tay. Are you in pain? Kame sighed. Agony. How did it happen? Is it a disease or a contagion? It's a poison. Tay stopped what he was doing and turned around. A poison. Someone did this to you on purpose. My master did this to me. This is its final stage. A living death. Nothing can stop it. There is no antidote. Your master, your own Alpha, did this to you. Why? I betrayed him. Box. Where is it? What box? Tay poured the potion down Kame's throat. Kame smacked again. Tay gave him water and painted a seven-pointed star on Kame's forehead with four circles at each of its four corners. Black box. Oh, God. If it's lost. If I lost it. If it's lost. It's all right, said Tay, gesturing to Zack. We'll find it. Zack, check the car. Zack was very happy to leave the hut. What's the box, Kame? What does it do? Key. He with the power to undo all that is. The room was five degrees colder when he said that. It's lost. I've killed you. I've killed you all. Coming here, I've murdered every one of you because they'll come. Nothing can stop them. They'll come. They'll find us. They'll never stop. He started to sob, and the sobs racked his body, shaking the whole table. Run! Grab the box and run! It's the White Crusade! It's the White Crusade! Tay turned around at the sound of a double thud. India Gray had fainted. Zack put the cube on Tay's workbench and looked at Kim. Kim was awake, but at rest. India Gray, however, lay on one side of the recovery bed, his face covered with greenish cream. The vapors were doing him some good, but he still looked dazed and foolish. Doesn't look very dangerous, said Tay, picking up the cube and turning it over. Is it a device of some sort? Looks solid to me, shrugged Zack. What happened to India Gray? Tay glanced over his shoulder at India Gray. He padded over to where Gray lay on the bed and knelt. Gray's eyes rolled in his greasy green face and finally focused on Tay. Master, he said softly, what happened? I don't know. A dying visitor said, White Crusade, and you collapsed. What is the White Crusade? India Gray squeezed his eyes shut at Tay's first mention of the name and looked away on the second as if the name was a blow. Never thought I'd hear that again, he whispered. I tried to erase it from my own memory, to have never heard of the White Crusade. They're fanatics, Master. They worship the old times. The days before the change, before Mother Earth healed herself. They worshipped... Humans. The gods. Humans? Tay looked puzzled. No humans lived within a hundred miles of here. 
What does this have to do with a dying stranger in the black box? India Gray answered the question without Tay asking, If they have anything to do with the box, or with Kame, then it must have something to do with the old world, the old time. You can bet that they will be ruthless, merciless, sweeping through here like the end of the world. We can have no normal lives now, Master. Our people are not safe. And all the things that you hold dear will come to an end. Tay glanced at Zack, who looked stricken. Poor boy apparently more easily believed the pitch than Tay himself. Still, Zack spent less time with the rest of the tribe than anyone. Tears streaked India Gray's face. How do you know all this? said Tay, cradling India Gray's cheek in his paw. India Gray swallowed, whimpering. I was one of them once, he said, in a very small voice. I worshipped the false god, man. Well, wasn't that just thrilling? Uh, as I say, it's a, it's, a, it's a very good book. Eventually I'm going to shut up about it, but uh, not until you've all bought a copy, because it's really, really, really quite good. So that about wraps it up for today. We've had a Bad Dog Bootcamp segment. We've had a reading from White Crusade. <sighs> I'm going to sleep now. I'm going to sleep forever and ever and ever and it's only going to be made better by the fact that I know that I get to sleep while the Foundation people are still out there slaving away trying to flog these books that I worked so hard to put together. Uh, ooh, ooh, sorry, Ben. Sorry, Cinnamon. That we worked so hard to put together. I'm really going to have to get used to the idea of working as a team. Although, really, and as much as there is a team, I'm still the boss. And that's kind of a nice situation to be in. Because Ben Goodridge and Cinnamon the Wolf... They're pretty good. I mean, they're, they're pretty damn good. They make me look great. And anything that makes me look great, I'm happy with. So on that very egomaniacal note, I'm going to sign off. Thank you for listening to the BDB Podcast, and we will talk to you soon. And now go buy our damn books!